0: so everything is information like all we're doing like we're humans like we make we make noises and we call it talking and what are we trying to do when we talk we're trying to transmit information and why are we doing that it's like well often like we're trying to influence one another we're trying to spread different ideas we're trying to you know there's lots of different reasons but fundamentally we're just transmitting information and so when you uh with psychedelics whether it's uh, you know psilocybin or lsd or dmt or whatever the information that appears within your awareness is profoundly different. And I can't explain it you know, in any technical way to make sense of why that is or anything like that, but you can't help but be deeply curious as to what that is. Hey
1: everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us and you don't have to either.
2: But it helps. So here we are tonight uh with Andrew Kier. Uh Andrew is uh he messaged me a few weeks back, sent me a pretty good uh recording that he was talking about uh Bitcoin and psychedelics. Uh so I started listening to or checked out his profile on Twitter, started listening to some of his Bitcoin Unlocked, which is what it's like a daily newsletter that you you kind of put out there.
0: Daily-ish for the last couple of weeks. Daily ish, yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah,
2: uh, I started checking those out, uh, and it's called Bitcoin Unlocked on Spotify. If you want to check those out, it's pretty good. It's, uh, like you said, daily-ish, but it's not like a you know half-hour, hour-long episode, podcast, or anything. It's like four or five minutes. It does a pretty good job of distilling the information. It caught my attention. I really liked it. So I invited him on here, and I'm really excited to talk to him today. Andrew, what's going on?
0: Awesome, Dan. Uh, thanks for having us, man. Super excited for a chat.
2: So it sounds like you are... Uh, in Australia, New Zealand, I'm in Australia. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and
0: in the in the formerly democratic uh country of Australia,
2: what is uh what is it like there these days? Is it loosened up? Is are things better?
0: Man, it's interesting. Like it depends. Depends how you view the world. Uh, really, like you know, if you I would say if you just go about you know your daily life and you just don't pay attention to. What's going on? Then you could say everything's quote unquote fine, um, which I would sort of frame as the head in the sand, uh, (laughs) head head in the sand way of living, Mm -hmm. um, which is fine. You know, a lot of people are uh, busy and balls deep in just whatever they're doing, so they don't have time to pay attention for of stuff outside. Um, But you know, it's okay. But there's a lot. There's there's a lot of uh, residual um, sort of uh, lingering stuff from you know the last couple of years of uh the hysteria so you know where i am is beautiful like i'm an hour outside of the city it's just trees and you know i'm not looking it's it's beautiful so if i just look outside my window you know it's a lovely place to be um but if i think about some of the things going on it's it's more like you know i would always say the same thing like the planet is beautiful the earth like where we it's such an such an epic uh place to explore it's just some of the humans some of the humans are a bit fucked in the head um uh, sorry sorry about the language, but um, like it's cultural, you know, it's, it's a cultural thing. So if you're yeah, just doing your own thing, it's all good, but every now and, and if you've got kids, it's, there's a different layer to it because of stuff coming into schools. And so, uh, yeah, I would say on the whole, it's definitely simmered down from how bad it was. And some of the, you know, some of the stuff you would have seen online through the kind of peak hysteria probably yeah. um, amplified how kind of how, how it was day to day for a lot of people there's just yeah there's still some lingering stuff you know
2: so here in the united states we are verging on civil war i would say maybe that's a little bit of a hyperbole but we're, no, we're definitely trending that, that direction is who? that uh, between the whatever you want to call the left and the right in the united states Oh, you states, think it's a left the left and
1: right thing okay it's not elite and and it's not uh, well Portland.
2: there's that there's that uh, there's that aspect of it as well and i think that would probably take a little bit more inflation a little bit more food shortages for like the elite versus the poor to break out but right now it's it's definitely a a conservative you know it's not just conservative versus liberal or left versus right but that's kind of how it probably breaks down easiest sure um is that do you have that same level of divisiveness and like hostility towards each other in australia right now
0: yeah, mm, uh, it's an interesting question. Um, and I pay attention to what's going on in the US primarily because of the fact that we're all essentially on a US monetary system. So Correct. because of that, I pay a lot of attention. Um, and it's definitely the volume is definitely or the temperature is definitely seeming pretty hot over there. Um, from what I can see. You know, I saw um like with the uh, what hap- just happened with um Trump's place getting raided and then yeah. um with the sanctioning of open source software, you know, a couple of days ago, with the the Tornado Cash thing, um, uh, you know, like that's a fucking wild precedent to be setting, and it's um most people aren't going to pay attention to the sanctioning of open source software, mm-hmm. like most most people aren't going to you know care, um, but certainly a lot of people are gonna or a part of, you know a, a good section subsection of the the army are gonna. Uh, pay attention to trump's place getting raided it's almost like they just threw a hand grenade into the into the bathroom kind of thing it's, it's a wild action
2: <laughs> it's it's the, the thing about trump is that he's always thrived off of uh being like of any kind of publicity whether it's good or bad he thrives off it bad news he leverages that to his success and like mm-hmm. if, if they if people just ignore him he would have gone away quiet, not quietly, but more quietly. He probably would have faded out a little bit more. They keep like, he's the lobbing grenades in. they're just pouring gas on the fire. They cannot help themselves. Mm. They're going. And mm. I didn't think he was going to come back in 24, but now I'm not sure that he's not, uh,
0: he's definitely coming back. Yeah. And, right. you know, yeah. and, and, and the way, the way it is at the moment, like you'd have to look at it and think, and he's got a phenomenal chance. Like mm-hmm. the, the way, the so way, too. the way the whole shit show is over there. And, and like, by the way, like, uh, uh, you know, it's no better over here. It's just a, just as much of a clown world over here. It's it's um, but th- the way it is, like with you know, with old mate Sleepy Joe, it's uh, it's a fucking wild state of affairs, man. Like you have to look at it. Like you know, I remember hearing uh, like Sam Harris talk about it. Like finally, the adults are back in the room. You know, when the Democrats or whatever won. <laughs> that's
2: what a lot of people and, thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and obviously, I mean, that's just everyone's bias. You know, that's just every- what everyone was quote hoping for. So that's just everyone projecting their biases. But um, you know. You have to look at it and just think like like what what the fuck are we actually doing here where these lunatics actually have this outsized disproportionate power over everyone else and the way they're uh wielding that power is man it's like it's it truly is something to witness you know like we are in some very very interesting period of of time that you know it it will be easier for us to look back with hindsight to to with perspective um, but we are in a very funny little moment where, you know, like growing, like even if I, if, let's say if my kids were 20 years old, right. And you're trying to explain it to them. It's like, how the fuck do you explain it? It's like, oh, mate, sleepy Joe. He's clearly, he's clearly like psychologically deteriorating. Like he's clear, he, you know, he, I saw a classic clip of him the other day where someone goes to shake his hand and then yeah. he walks off and then three seconds later, he's like, putting his arms up, like, what? You're not going to shake my hand. And it's like, Hey man, he just shook it. Like he's got dementia. It's, it's, it's fucking wild. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't know how to explain that to my children. Like, how do you, like, what's the, what's the state of play here? Um, so yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, I would say it's hardly any better over here. Um, the the divisiveness was certainly, you know, it it just seems like it's a tool in the toolbox. To be honest, it seems like it's a tool yeah. in their toolbox and it's used intentionally. Um, and it is just a classic divide and conquer strategy. So, um, you know, for the people that are awake, uh, then it's pretty obvious. Um, and that's, you know, the the big trick is for the people that are awake is to, I think, to, to be able to play, to be be able to deploy compassion um, and empathy for the, you know, the sheeple or the normies or whatever you want to call them, for the people that are completely asleep at the wheel of their own lives, and that don't realize how they're being manipulated um, right. and to, to not, not be sucked in and divided from those people, because I do think fundamentally, you know, the way that they win is, is by that, you know? And, and so it is like um, it's tricky, but I think being compassionate for the people that are, even though, you know, I would say the people that basically would, would lock you in a cage, if it was up to them um, is a, is a challenging it's a challenging place to be in, but I think it's it's necessary because I think the the division is the thing that enables them the most.
2: Totally. So, Andrew, what is your what is your background? What do you do? You have a
1: prof- what do you do professionally, or what did you do professionally? How, how do you find uh, yourself on a Bitcoin show? Yeah, that too.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Bitcoin thing, like as Dan explained, was just uh, I just shared a link of um of an article that I, that I've written, and we just started chatting from there. But um, sure. my background, man, my background's weird. So um. I skydive um, and I teach people to skydive and fly how to fly their bodies basically um for a for a job. But um since uh certainly since the COVID hysteria, that wasn't a very um COVID-proof uh thing to do. Um and for sure, you know, as things have digressed from there, uh it's a it's a it's a sort of thing that you I would travel around and go to lots of different places. So Uh, that is obviously a little bit less feasible as well these days. So uh, I've been doing less of that. But for the last eight months, I've just been writing basically every day, as you mentioned, doing my letter. Um, uh, Prior to that, um, so I've been doing some uh, web... I've basically been doing a bunch of just sort of ad hoc things um, like web design. um, And right now, I'm really just looking to immerse myself in Bitcoin. Like, it's a funny thing. Um, For me, it's just... I want, to, I want to be around people I align with um, from a value perspective and I want to spend my time in a meaningful way um, because it is the most precious thing in the way that I think about it. Like if I'm not doing something meaningful with it, I'd rather spend it with my kids and, you know, do things that I enjoy. So I don't want to just fucking waste my time just doing some bullshit job. And I do, I do honestly believe uh, Bitcoin is the thing for, you know, um, I often reference like uh, a story as a kid, like I remember in the school library uh, or at school, rather, as like a twelve-year-old um, had a laptop, maybe one of like a couple of kids in, in, in the school that had a laptop. I was probably like twelve at the time, and I remember like I'd go and connect to the internet, and this was in like maybe maybe ninety-three or ninety-four, and uh, I'd go and connect to the internet and plug into like plugging my four point four kilobyte per second modem, um, and I had to go and stand behind the the librarian's desk because that was the only phone socket uh, mm-hmm. for the, for the to plug into. And I'd connect to bulletin boards and whatnot and chat to people like predominantly in America, really at that point in time. Um, And it was just so obvious as a 12 year old or whatever. I was like, fuck, like, this is such a thing. Like, this is wild. Like think about what I'm actually doing right now, you know, like and it's very hard for people to perceive how much things have changed in that 30 year period. um, And how normalized, obviously, like what we're doing right now is, um, but it's such a transformational thing, you know, and, and in, the exact same way, you know, Bitcoin, in my opinion, is 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 maybe even more so, but it's completely analogous to that sort of transformational level or that level of transformation that's gonna that's gonna take place. And, uh, you know, it's not that I want to capture it from a um, necessarily from a monetary point of view. It's more just that I think it's a meaningful thing to spend my time doing. I think um, yeah.
2: somebody. So I was on. The, you're probably a little. Sounds like you're a few years older than me, but I was. I got on the internet you know, probably 95, 96. Uh, yeah. I was immediately, I hit like the, you know, I found chat rooms or bulletin boards, ICQ, whatever. I
0: see. Yeah yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. So the, one of the things that drew me to Bitcoin was if you were on the internet in those early days, you know that everybody was on the chat rooms full of shit, lying about their backstory, lying about who they were. I mean, you could talk, you could find some friends, you could find some good conversations, yeah, okay. some good information, but everybody was, you know, it was
0: you couldn't just trust. Sure you think. really
2: couldn't trust anything, right? So, like the trustless aspect of having this way to transact and interact with people online—it's uh, just if you were online in the early days, you get it. And the internet hasn't really changed since then. It's just gotten people have gotten a lot better. The scammers have gotten a lot more polished. But yeah, that was just kind of an aside I had. But I wanted to ask you how. What What is your Bitcoin story? How did you? When did you get into it, or or how did you find it?
0: Yeah. Uh, so it was around 20, I think it was around 2016. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was thinking about trying to think about this today to kind of clarify exactly what really, you know, dissolved the orange pill, if you like, um, Mm. but basically 20, yeah, but it is like that, you know, like I, I, I dropped it at some point, but it hadn't dissolved and it hadn't really kicked in. And then all of a sudden at some point it was just like, fuck, you know, and it really, really hit me. But, um, yeah, so 2016, I, I just remember the price was around, um, around uh, $300, uh, us and us shit coins. That is obviously. Um, and like I got, I got swept up very st- stereotypically. I got swept up in, into the shit coin, like the ICO, um, craze and all that nonsense. And I learned a lot, man. I, I went super deep into, into trading actually. And at options trading and, uh, man, I learned a lot through that. It's funny. Like I, I know most Bitcoiners hate that stuff. Um, but that was a cool journey in the, in the sense okay. that like, it, it def- yeah, we it all find
1: be. our way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, did, it didn't enrich me um, or anything like that, but it certainly forced me to introspect in in very very valuable ways and and learn a lot about myself, and um, that to me was super valuable. Um, but it was expensive, an expensive lesson, but valuable. Um, but yeah, so twenty seventeen through all that, and then sometime I think through like after like it was very interesting psychologically watching the attention get sucked out of the room, you know. So t- through twenty uh, through twenty seventeen rather when it. it it goes up parabolic and towards 20,000 or whatever, you know, so many eyeballs and so much interest and all of that. And then watching that attention get sucked out of the room was probably one of the things that I, you know, quote unquote enjoyed the most. Like I really found it very interesting to observe how, you know, very much like as if you're dangling something for a baby or a dog or whatever, you know, the ability for people to focus their attention um, just like on at scale doesn't exist. And so that was super interesting to me. But um, yeah, so some, I think through um, maybe 2019, uh, basically I realized that most of the, uh, you know, quote unquote digital assets were uh, nonsense. Uh, but it was definitely 2020 when it really, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if it was pre coronavirus or not, but the, the way money was weaponized through that made it impossible to uh to ignore at that point you know the way that, that money was leveraged to you know so here in australia they had a slogan and it was no no jab no job
1: wow that's, yeah no, no, that is powerful up. that is fucking Dude, powerful as
0: fuck that's wow. fucking psycho like what a meme like they actually created the meme no jab no job and fuck like i would t- i would and so i was obviously very uh you know opposed to the whole thing and uh, without getting stuck on that but um if anyone else wants to do whatever they want to do that's totally cool you know like i have no judgement of anyone else for whatever the, for the decisions in that respect but uh that's you know, I'm like. It's,
2: a, it's essentially a euphemism for you should starve
0: yeah <laughs> totally yeah. totally it was like you you're not going to be able to feed your kids you're not yeah. going to be able to pay for daycare It's like, you have no, like, it's like, unless you put this potion in your body. So that was a wild thing, man. And so when I saw that and the weaponization of the monetary system in that respect, uh, that was when I realized like, you know, I'd already realized, but that was when I realized I had to be more active. That was when I realized like, I know there's so many people talking about this already, but I was like, I need to talk about this. Like this is fucked up. And the slave mentality of people, uh, the willingness to accept it, you know, so many people and, and even some Bitcoiners that I've talked to, um here uh they're they're like i would just i just had to to keep my job i'm like i understand that and without being really rude and offensive i get it but i have fucking zero zero acceptance for for that mentality Mm -hmm. because unfortunately you know that mentality is the problem you know that that is the that is the slave mentality that has put us in the mess that we've been in is that that large majority of people um that it is like, yeah, I'm just going to have to do it. It's like, no, fuck that. You don't have to do it. So anyway, um, I guess yeah, that's, totally. that's, that would, that would be roughly it, but that was the thing that really kind of mobilized me into being more and starting to write.
2: Nice. Yeah. No. So, uh, one of the reasons I asked about your background is your, uh, your communication style, um, and your writing is, is, it's comes across as very polished, very, uh, like you got like a really strong education or, Strong uh, background in history or philosophy or financial strong markets opinion. or something, yeah, like yeah, like very well a read at the very well way of delivering least. information. Yeah. Uh, something that, uh, thank you. Something I heard you say was probably one of the more recent episodes was that democracy is a fifty-one percent attack on the network, and I never heard anybody so, say right. that before. And once I heard it, I can't stop thinking about that? it. No, he did. Yeah.
1: Yo, what a good little and fucking. I, but I haven't heard anybody right say there. that
2: before or I haven't heard anybody frame it that way before. I'm kind of surprised in fact that I haven't, but uh, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that a little bit more, but I, that's, he's he's essentially right. In my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, democracy is a scam for, for sure. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a funny, it's a funny system to think about, but I'm sure I don't want to take credit for that, that line, because I'm sure it's not mine. You know, it's a funny, mo- most things that we think are ours, you know, most ideas and things totally. that we think are totally. ours. But uh, I heard that, you first. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not out. So I don't I don't want to take any credit for it because I don't think it's I don't think it uh, it was conceived by me. But um uh yeah, I mean like you look at I can't remember what was I writing it about? Uh oh it was about the it was about the vote um, uh inflation in reduction Congress. Act. That's right. The Inflation Creation Act. That's right. Yeah, I guess um that's- um <laughs> I mean that that's fucking wild. Like it's man, I saw I saw that happen in New Zealand. Um uh, maybe like a month or two ago, they, they were going to basically to fight inflation. They're like, we're going to print two well you know, create $2 billion. We're going to essentially the government's going to borrow $2 billion to create it. And I just saw that and I was like, what the fuck is going like, how, how upside down are we like, and, and you have to just wonder, like, do these people not get it? Do they not realize or, or are they like, is it, so is it stupidity or are they actually just genuinely nefarious and there is a larger plan, like basically to print away debt. And it's it's kind of built into their system as it from a point of governance, but they just don't talk openly about it with you know the slaves. So um yeah, I mean, I mean, what more can you can you say about it? Like the the vote in Congress was the best example. It was like 50-50. So all Democrats yeah. said yes, all Democrat, uh, all what's that, the other all the Republicans, Republicans said mm-hmm. no. And uh, you know, uh what's her name? Um oh, the wow. What what Here, is it? Kamala, Kamala, Kamala Harris. Harris yeah. yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Um, Kamala Harris. She just and her jubilation, man. Like her, 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 it Just the thrill that she got to be able to be like the one vote that gets to decide. Like the power. You could see the power just rushing through her veins. She like she had a, some purpose. She had. She just had a rail of of coke or something. Like she was so yeah, stoked. Yeah, yeah. She was so fucking stoked, man. And she was like, yeah, like. I get to like, it was just the wielding of this power was fucking psychotic. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I just look at that and it's like, that's democracy and it isn't, you know, whether it's 51% of them, it literally, in that respect, it is 51 out of 51 of them versus the other 50, all the other 50 don't want it. And 51 of them get to decide like, this is happening. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. I don't, I, I, and I haven't studied philosophy by the way. um, But, uh, so I haven't thought deeply enough about sort of other forms of governance and 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 stuff like that. But but uh so in terms of if there's a better alternative, uh, but it is funny, like whether democracy is the best thing that we figured the best kind of system we've figured out to, to date or not, I don't know, but it's it's certainly a shit show. Yeah. Um
2: so something we talk about on here a lot. Um, we kind of started towards the beginning, it was like this idea of memes, but it kind of evolved as we would, sometimes we'd get stoned and talk about um, kind of almost like comparing religion, uh, like the religious texts, mythologies, and like the importance mm. of those stories on society, right? And it, that got me thinking a lot lately, more about some of like these really nebulous terms like democracy, God. Uh, bitcoin maximalism whatever you want to talk about Mm
1: -hmm. where just Mm -hmm. the
2: climate change is a big one too like it means something different to every person and Mm -hmm. when you're having these arguments and you unless you define it in unambiguous terms you're just talking. you're using the same terms as the other person you're just talking past each other but yeah so but also some of these terms some of these stories some of these symbols are really powerful when you stop trying to look at them uh you know literally and you start to try to look at them metaphorically so uh, again w- one of your uh, writings um talked about moloch and it seems like mm. s- some of the some of your recent daily um writings have kind of used this the similar thing where you're kind of taking these mythological symbols uh or you know or that higher level thinking kind of using that to translate uh kind of your point um i'm, I'm I kind of lost my thought of where I was going with the question there, but, (laughs) but how do you think about the miscommunication that so many people have and like the miscommunication between, well, you know, just between people when they're talking about problems of today, but when you have like stuff about our ancestors, our history, um, even going back to the religious texts or the really historical texts where they're the bad guys, this, you know, mythological symbol, what do you think I'm trying, to frame, I'm trying to frame the question here so feel free to jump in if you got no, some if you no, got no, some no, like, I, points but
1: I, I keep thinking about the this meme of the inflation creation act is literally a 51 percent attack i just <laughs> to wrap my head around that is such a how it happens like right this moment in time yeah it's a, such a perfect little meme. So I was like, sorry, I was I was on that for
0: a second.
1: No, it's guess, crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean it's crazy. Like the the whole notion of memes is fucking crazy. Like uh, you know, so like it, sim, the symbolism and, and um all the stories, all the stories that are passed, you know, passed through time essentially. Yeah. yeah, go. You got it?
2: Yeah, there we go. So it's it's yeah. it's enabling <laughs> it's en- it's enabling us to communicate with people. Other cultures, other uh, people around the world, other generations, um, to use these memes or these symbols that they that they can they can find meaning in it through their own interpretation of what that symbol is. So like when you were talking about Moloch, right? You're like, it's the incentive structure that Bitcoin kind of fixes. Uh, and when you put it that way, my grandpa could get it. My, you know, my okay. my grandma from a different culture could get it. You. Finding these, it seems like it's an abstract term, but it's really capturing a, a, a wider audience of people who can really sympathize or, or identify with that symbol. And I, that's what we're trying, me and Mike are trying to get better at, is trying to use these memes, these symbols that you can really capture a wider audience. because It's like such a niche technology. If you really get to the specifics of what Bitcoin is, it's not that interesting to most people. It's, no, it's uh, just information. It's just information and it's just a way of, of getting that information
1: but in some in some structured. respects it might be the truest information
0: yeah yeah i i agreed i think and it's i mean i often refer to it as like informational um pure informational clarity right um, because because it is yeah sorry go ahead no yes yeah,
2: so it's signal but so it's that we're casting this wider and wider net with their language and how we're doing it and i and i just wanted to really kind of a compliment because I think you do a great job with it on, on nice, Bitcoin unlocked.
0: Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. I mean the, the whole the, the whole Moloch thing like uh is super interesting. So for I don't know for anyone listening, like if it's worth explaining what it is, but um because like Please Moloch do, yeah. is is a fictitious character uh that's um basically from like ancient text um
2: Leviticus in the Old Testament.
0: Yeah. And, and essentially it's referring it's the God of I don't know if it's the referred to like as Like hyper competition. Yeah, I don't know if the, there's an actual if it was the god of God of something specific, but it's basically the god of um bad in, essentially the god of bad incentives, really. Um and and so it um the way I would think about it is though is like when we talk about something that's like the god of, it's like what it really are we talking about? It's 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 and it's what it is is a mode of operation that humans can slip into. So like all these things like that, are mat- like, a, that are abstracted into these kind of mythological, um, term ter- or terminology. It's really referencing us, you know, it's referencing the, the, the bad modes of operating that we can, that fall, fall prey to. And, and, you know, it does get kind of, it's funny, man, like growing up, I've never been religious in the slightest. Right. And so, but, the more you inquire into it, the more interesting it actually becomes because uh, so many of the religions are so similar in so many ways and that most of them are just trying to like, without the extremist sort of stuff, uh, just right. trying to guide you, guide you to be a better, best, the best version of you, I would say. Right. Um, but so Moloch is just um, something that we can all express and, it, and it's, it's us getting trapped in uh, when the, the incentives are such that the path of least resistance is us for to operate in a suboptimal way. Then we choose that and that creates suboptimal outcomes. And we get stuck in a loop of bad incentives um, and bad outcomes. And it, it basically it's a reinforcing feedback loop. The American and, political system. Yeah. Wow. I don't even know if I just say American, like it's just, oh, yeah. I think just, I think it's just like the nature of humans self-organizing. You know cuz i don't think anyone's figured out the political thing like or the or the, the a way to organize us like if you think about us like bees or you think about us like ants or you think about us like any other sort of little like insect or, or species of animal you know we're we're very funny in the way that we try to or, or at least a subsection of us try to accumulate power so we can e- express that power and dominate another cohort of of the the, the herd if you like so it's something within us, man. Like it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's something that not for everyone, but, and and maybe not for the most, but certainly for some, um, yeah.
2: So there, you know, there's, there's not, I would say a solution to that, but there is things that can remedy that, like that you get to these, you get into this feedback loop or this mode, as you called it. Right. Like, so like the reason that we started communicating was, uh, you sent me, uh, something you had about, uh, psychedelics and kind of rewriting or re- rewiring that default mode in your mind. Um, before we get into like what that specifically was about, like, what is your, your experience or background with, uh, with any psychedelics or you, do you do that stuff or is, have you done it in the past?
0: Yeah. So, um, my experience is long. Like, uh, I, I think I first experienced experimented with uh, LSD like um you know in high school like early, uh, it was like probably like maybe 15 or something like that. I remember like sitting in a history class uh on LSD and um oh. sitting lis- listening to I remember the teacher's name it was Mr. O'Grady. I remember sitting listening to Mr. O'Grady on acid and and I was like Whoa, what am I doing in here? And I, <laughs> and I just oh. grabbed my stuff grabbed my stuff and and that was that, that was the day um at that point. But so it started off for me, and it was very experimental, and it was very, um, uh, it was very sort of just happenstance. and very, like I would say, very like a complete lack disregard for for what those um, compounds actually are, or what they act can actually present. Um, and so now I'm just super curious. I would say, like, so I, I've still, I would still continue to experiment. I've, I've done a lot of microdosing and, and whatnot, and um, and some more larger dosing of of different things. And, um, I mean, I think they're insanely powerful substances, you know, like there's no question in my mind, like if more people did them, like society at scale would be far healthier. You know, I think it, um, it forces a huge amount of introspection. Um, it, I don't think you can help but be humbled Mm. by how little you actually know. Um, and you can, you can very easily have some, you know, psychedelic experience, let's say, and uh, just dismiss it, like very easily, very like with a very skeptical kind of a mind. You can very easily um, just be like, "Oh, that was just you know my mind being altered as a result of whatever substance," and kind of dismiss it. But if you, I don't know if you guys have have meditated much at all, but if you <clears throat> if you do meditate and you pay close enough attention to the actual nature of your own mind, mm. and you realize you get a very clear. Uh, recognition and sense of awareness or consciousness, however you want to describe it. Um, and the way in which everything is just appearing within that space, then psychedelics is super interesting because all it is, is changing the space in which everything is appearing and it's changing it in a way that, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like uh, the way I look at the world just generally is like, it's is just information. So everything is information, like all we're doing, like we're humans, like we make, we make noises and we call it talking and what are we trying to do when we talk? We're trying to transmit information and why are we doing that? It's like, well, often like we're trying to influence one another. We're trying to spread different ideas. We're trying to, you know, there's lots of different reasons, but fundamentally we're just transmitting information. And so when you, uh, with psychedelics, whether it's, uh, you know, psilocybin or LSD or DMT or whatever, um, the information that appears within your awareness is profoundly different. And I can't explain it, you know, in any technical way to make sense of why that is or anything like that, but you can't help, but be deeply curious as to what that is, you know, and, and where that is like, and and also, I mean, where, where is that? Like, you know, if you, if you're, if you're sitting, observing it, where are you observing it from? So I don't want I don't want to get too deep on this because I could I could probably go super deep on this. But anyway, to answer the question, yeah, I've I've played around with the uh, experimented, I guess you could say, and um, I'm just I'm still I remain deeply curious.
2: Totally. Are you more on? Do you find more benefit on the micro dose or the the heavy dose, or do you feel like uh, they, they've got their time and place? Because I don't I don't get much from the micro dose. I don't think so. Maybe I do. Maybe I've got to try it more. But mm. I. And constantly like how, how much more can I add to go deeper?
0: Hmm. I, I think that totally, it's totally different thing. So I think, uh, you know, if we, if we think about the historical context as well, you know, and a lot of the uh, what, symbolism and mythology and a lot of the things that, that have sort of, um, uh, kind of what's the like, uh, just continued to percolate through time, um, whether there's some relationship, you know, um, to, to those experience more, you know, those experiences, um, of uh, like as a result of an altered state of consciousness. Um, very likely. Um, but so that I think a high dose is, it is much more like if we think about the default mode network, like that, that, that piece, that bit of writing um, uh, whatever it was titled something like, like Bitcoin is like uh, the psychedelic um, I can't remember. De- it, now.
2: it It's like re rewriting the default mode.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about the the mind and the default mode network, which is basically the part of the, the brain, um, which should be distinguished from the mind, the part of the brain that we store patterns. And so it's basically the, the way in which we, we abstract away tasks. So, you know, it's like when you're driving a car and you're driving along and, and whatever, and then all of a sudden it's like you wake up and you kind of like, oh, I'm further down the road. And you kind of just, it's like, you've just had a sleep, like a micro sleep, mm-hmm. but you've been, eyes have been open. That's the default mode network taking control of you. Mm-hmm. And so the default mode network, um, you know, whether it's, uh, like writing or all, all sorts of like little tasks we outsource once we've done them enough, uh, the default mode network sort of saves the code of how to deploy that script. And then we can, we don't have to use any resources to deploy it. Um, and so the way that I think I explained in the writing is like the it's we're carving out patterns of behavior. And so we the more we do, the more repetitions we do of a certain behavior, the deeper those grooves are within the default mode network. And so I think it's Michael Pollan that talks about it like imagine the default mode network like a mountain. Yeah. And imagine you've you've it's like a ski mountain or you know, like so you can you can go and go down it like ski or snowboard down it or whatever. Uh, it could be mountain biking down it in summer, but um, and you you've got super really well established tracks and, and, and routes down this mountain and a really high dose of you know fill in the blank psychedelic is like a fresh coat of powder on that mountain. And now you're able to go back to the top of the mountain and begin again like there's no paths and you can create all new paths and uh, all new pat- which is all new patterns of behavior. So it allows you, I think, to orient yourself in the world in a completely new and fresh way, which you know a lot of people I think that they they're scared of that because they're very attached to their identity and you know whether you want to call it the ego or whatever the fuck. Um, But that's a powerful thing. Like that's that's not a bad thing in my opinion. So as long as long as you're not attached to being a certain way and you're attached to you. You're, you, I think you're, you're able to deal with change and uncertainty and which a lot of people are not, but if you are, that's insanely powerful. And so whether you're like an alcoholic and you want to stop doing that, I mean, and I can say for myself, like, I don't don't think I'd say I was an alcoholic or anything, but I was drinking like consistently at one point, like this is a few years ago. Um, and it was just like a, this bad habit that I just couldn't shake. And it was like, maybe it would just be a glass of wine or a beer or whatever. And after like a, a high dose, um, uh, high dose LSD trip I was just like boom I just like I was able just to like completely completely mm-hmm. shift that habit so yeah I think it's super powerful
2: yeah I mean, I can attest to that too I, I I I take it now or I take these psychedelics now on almost like a, a, a routine of I've, I, I feel like I'm in a rut or I feel like I'm trapped in some negative spiraling thinking I, I take psychedelics and I wake myself up or shake myself out of it is kind of how I look at it. Um, so yeah, it, it, I've heard that analogy of kind of like rewiring your brain a little bit or kind of getting rid of those patterns. And it's, uh, in my experience, that's definitely
0: true. You're not going to get that from microdose though. Yeah, uh, right, right. Like right. Just, to, just to differentiate, yeah. So so the, that's where the, the high dose is super good. Uh, the microdose I would say is like really good just uh, like to bump your mood Okay. You know, uh, some people are more prone to depression. Like, and I think depression man, like is, you know, it's a funny term, like, uh, or a funny word. Like
2: it's not a word that means something different to everybody.
0: Yeah. I saw a real cool tweet from Alan Farrington the other day, he's like talking about the privacy thing, um, the, mm. the it was relating to the sanctioning, you know, the, the sanctioning of the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that thing. Um, and the, some, like, I think it was probably like some politician or something saying, you know, this this software that's being used by criminals to launder money, you know, is now basically being sanctioned and they're like mm-hmm. celebrating. And it, Alan Farrington like put it really well. He's like, privacy, people seeking privacy is not criminal. Mm-hmm. Like right. people, se- people, and it was just distinguishing the fact that people wanting pr- some level of privacy is not a criminal thing. And it's like, and he's basically just like uh, explaining that words matter. And the way we use the words matter, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's you know we're we're not very good at that. I would say, uh, on a higher level, at society, right? In society, but um, yeah. Any anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but super yeah. I
2: wanted to say on the side that I actually reached out, I tweeted at the um, the the director of developer relations at GitHub to ask for clarification on which code was uh liable to be suspended you know get you suspended what what was what code was illegal what patterns what uh code censorship. You know, how, how how, are we supposed to pull are we expected to police the users of our code uh somebody takes our code and uses it for something maybe that's not intended that's illegal uh are we getting is that illegal for us to do you know um no response yet so we'll see if he, he responds
0: what a shocker uh, yeah yeah right crazy though crazy the man like that is a crazy thing that you know like Sir? there is a pre- there is a precedent set and without sort of uh, backtracking on that, but there is a precedent set where code is speech.
2: Yes. That's right.
0: You know, that precedent has been, been well established and this is a fundamental shift from that precedent and the censorship of, I mean, like obviously I know they've seen like the samurai guys talk about it on Twitter Mm -hmm. that they moved away uh, to like GitLab or something instead years ago because they just saw the vulnerability. Yeah. Um, But it is a wild precedent. Like, so we're now seeing GitHub join basically, you know, the Wokarate and get it get into the censorship game, which is kind of spooky, man. Like it's kind of yeah. Totally. I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but it's it is spooky.
2: I'm not surprised. I didn't that wasn't the next domino that I expected to fall. I didn't think that they were gonna go after and start suspending uh get code repositories because really if you think about it, like a repository code, code is just like, it's, it's just information. Just um, information and yeah. Any, anybody can, can take whatever tornado was and tweak it and launch it tomorrow. Like you, it's like trying to bop a mole, like the whack-a-mole. They're just kind of popping totally. up. like you're, you're going after the wrong thing if you're suspending code.
0: Totally. And I, I think fundamentally, you know, like a, a company like GitHub, um, it's the same. I think the same thing about whether, you know, fill in the blank social media platform I right. think as soon as, you know, I have kind of somewhat of an optimistic op- opinion of these of this thing because I think it is them sowing the seed of their demise over time. Yes. So I do I do think that, you know, short term, yeah, cool, they'll get away with it. Short term, they'll maintain what whatever somewhat of a network effect. And I have I've written about this as as well and like uh like Metcalf's law, which is basically network effects. Uh the thing about Metcalf's law is that it goes both ways. You know, like Metcalfe's Law, like as more people join the network, um, the network becomes more valuable and it becomes more useful, becomes, um, yeah, become, becomes better. It, it basically, that feedback loop continues to reinforce. But the exact same thing happens as people leave the network. And all it is is a tipping point between the feedback loop actually starting to be reinforced. So once enough people leave the platform, then a feedback loop, it begins the opposite way, like inverse to, to, to the good way, essentially. So I do think over time, man, like GitHub is a big, it's a big mistake to, to go down this path. Um, and ultimately they're basically like, I'm sure if you work for GitLab, you would have seen a spike in signups and you know, whether it's like uh, I think GitT from like, you can run from umbrella and whatnot, all these, all these other platforms are going to see the same, the same way, man. Like I remember uh, like a couple of years ago, WhatsApp, basically change some terms and conditions. And that was a huge pivot essentially in terms of adoption for like uh like signal and other open source messaging mm-hmm. apps. So yeah. Yeah. I think, the, uh, I think ultimately it's good.
2: Yeah. I've I've got to start moving all my um all my stuff to Gitia on Umbral uh this weekend is is when I plan to do that. So was we'll that
1: another repository? It's
2: a. Uh, Well the code itself is the repository. You got a repository of code, but like Gitia is the like a server for that. It's kind of like GitHub, but you can self-host it it on your um, on your own machine, your own server, whatever.
0: It is Uh, an interesting rabbit hole that one. Yeah. Like, oh sorry. It, It is interesting though because it doesn't solve the problem. You know, there's a the reason GitHub's so good and the reason it's such a standard is because it is that thing in the middle connecting all the nodes in the network and allowing collaboration. Cause I think the thing is the collaboration. So it's an interesting problem. I'm sure there's people much smarter than me figuring it out, but, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what the solution is, but I know the self hosting thing is, is good to protect the code, but you want the code to be out there. You know, you want other people to view the code, review the code, you know, play with the code.
2: We're, We're in the midst of a giant transformation of, uh, networking and connection with the rest of the world right like the from when we were on the internet what 25 years ago both of us the story we're telling to where we are now like you said you were on there mostly talking to americans because that's who was on there but only in the past what maybe five years the rest of the world is 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 connected to the internet and that's going to bring all kinds of political problems all sorts of International commerce problems. I mean, that's what Bitcoin and, and the rest of the crypto industry is causing right now. So it's all, it's all, tr- it's, it's this giant transformation. I really don't know how, what we're going to come out with on the other side, but really there is no other side. It's a constant evolution, right? But,
1: um, feels like a much quicker
2: evolution. Though. The descent, decentralization hmm. s- sounds, I mean, it is in many ways great. But like you said, there is a problem. You want your code out there, you want as many people seeing it. You want it to be connected. You want it to be reviewed. You want it to be, you know, want open source people to be able to see that stuff and work on it. But in a decentralized web, access to information is unreliable or it can be. Um, you don't have the, the Google, for example, where you can, I mean, Google, you can argue, make a lot of arguments about being evil and being a giant surveillance. I mean, I think Google is probably going to be the one that figures out how the brain works and like figures out what consciousness is before anybody else does. <laughs> but, but what they are is they're, they're fantastic. You can find any information uh, until recently they started censoring stuff, but for the most part, you can find any information really, really efficiently. And that's not yeah. the case in the decentralized universe. Uh, that's part of the problem of the lightning network is it's, it runs on the gossip protocol. It's not efficient. It's not, a, it's not as efficient as like a centralized, um, like a dns server for example but you know yeah. there, there's solutions out there like amboss and, and other stuff but it's still very nascent
0: yeah yeah it's interesting man it's an interesting framing of the you know basically everyone else in the world connecting to the internet and creating problems and polit- I'm not I'm not sure the like what problems do you think <clears throat> how, how, can you can you can you tease that one out a little bit more like what well, why pro- you think that it creates problems
2: Problems not for you and I necessarily, but problems for states, problems for governments, problems for institutions to maintain and gate, control and gatekeepers. Yes, exactly. So it's like okay, got, okay, yeah. Like in Africa, you can't. There's really very few options for internet or cross-border payments, um, and there's all kinds of corruption there. Uh, Bitcoin gives them like a you know property rights and the ability to do cross-border payments, but the the people that benefit in those states in those countries by Having those that trapped population, you know, yeah. th- it causes problems for them.
0: Yeah, yeah gotcha, it causes problems gotcha. for despots. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, yeah, that makes that makes much more sense. Um, and I mean, that's a good thing. I guess we want them. Yeah, to totally. Problems. Like yeah. F- fuck those guys. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. I mean, like the 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 upside is that the bottom up in the bottom up innovation enabled by that. Like when we think about, it's a, such an interesting thing to think about. Actually, I haven't probably given it enough thought, forgetting even Bitcoin, just the internet, the fact that mm-hmm. like it's 2022 right now, the iPhone was like 2007 or whatever. So yeah. it's, it's 15 years. Right. And that's, that, that has changed everything. Um, and so if we think about the fact that, you know, let's say the last seven years, the, the less developed nations are, are all online now, mm-hmm. uh, what that enables and the innovation that it enables like, that's super exciting in my opinion, that, like that, that's so fucking good. Um, Yeah, it's so good because it just means there's there's just more, there's more minds, you know, there's just more minds figuring stuff out, trying to solve problems and trying to, and try to offer value to, to others. Um, Yeah, that's, that's exciting. And it goes back
2: to what we were talking about earlier. Um, So I'm trying to piece this together, what I meant earlier, but um, you go on these like crazy psychedelic trips, right. And you mentioned it specifically that you can't necessarily put it in terms you can't necessarily describe that experience that you've had when you have that ego death, right? Well,
0: you can, you can no the thing is you can you can describe it and for someone that's had it, they will get it because they've sure, that's, they've received the same information, but for someone that hasn't received the information from a point of experience, right? and that's the thing it's like you can't transmit that information verbally. Sure, yeah. It's from a point of experience that that information is transmitted.
2: And I think yeah, I agree and I think that I think there's a lot of stuff in ancient texts religious texts right that probably is inspired by some of these experiences and 100%. i and i think that what the, mm-hmm. the reason the way it's some of it's written the way it is is because these guys were skilled at these high level symbol symbolistic language that that kind of helps you grasp it as well as you can grasp something that you haven't experienced and but when you experience it later and you go back to that writing and you're like whoa that makes sense. Now I'm, I'm 35. What I thought was bullshit when I was 21. Well, I've experienced it. Now I go back and I read that text or I read that story or whatever, that parable. I'm like, that makes sense to me. Now I have a Mm. totally different perspective on it. And to where we're at now, we've got all these people joining the internet, you know, like we're, we're in El Salvador, one of the poorest remote places in one of the poorest countries in the world, we had Wi-Fi everywhere. These people. Are you guys all in El Salvador on... now? Not right now. We were in oh, uh, back okay. in February. Back in February. That's where we, yeah. that's where we met. Everybody. Yeah. Every, yeah. Back, and, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got smartphones. Everybody's connected to the internet. And you're going to have this more and more all over the world. And you've got all these people who are going to be joining this community, this on um, the World Wide Web, whatever you want to call it. Who they don't, they don't know all the the shit you know the the shit posting terms they don't know a- asl they don't know memes they don't know like the old memes from reddit in 2011 with like you know just like shit you know shithead steve and stuff like that but we're gonna have like the people who can take that high level language who are great at memes they're gonna be able to catch them up really quickly and yeah. i think there's a lot of value with that too
0: yeah yeah, it's it's I mean, I totally agree with you in terms of uh the ancient texts and whatnot. It's it's, it's super fucking interesting, man. Like um it's 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 it it's just so interesting because uh you, yeah, you can't you can't learn it another you can't learn it from reading it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't I mean maybe maybe some people can actually. Maybe that's not true. Maybe some people can, but I don't think you can. I, I really do think it's it is an experience because there's a complexity to experience. You know, it's like, if you think about um, what's a good example, like if you think about standing on the edge of a mountain and thinking about like, you're going to go base jumping, right. Mm-hmm. Thinking about standing on the edge of a mountain. Like if, if, if I'm sitting in a, in, in a, in a room thinking about it, I can, I can like, you know, mentally masturbate thinking about it and and try to conjure up the, 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 how that experience would be. I can think about like, oh, looking at my feet on the edge and, maybe you're looking out and seeing the mountains and blue sky and whatever else, you know, the, but when you're there and you, you're, you're there and maybe your foot slips, you know, there's, there's a temperature, mm-hmm. there's, there's a wind, the space around you is moving. Adrenaline. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the chemical nature of your body has changed. So there's a complexity to that experience that your mind just can't um, manifest not like without, without the experience. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that the the psychedelic thing's super interesting because there's such a divide. You know, like I mean, man, it's it's like psilocybin in Australia is a class A substance. Oh wow. Like it's a it's a mushroom. You yeah. fucking psychopaths. <laughs> it's a mushroom. You know what I mean? Like the notion yeah, it's 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 nuts the the perception. I think that's changing a lot, but I but it is still
2: it is yeah, it's is, changing here too. It's it used to be, I mean, 10 years ago, totally different culture. Now you can openly talk about it now, and it's not crazy anymore. Here, people are like, "Oh yeah, yeah that's cool. I, I want to try it myself." You get, like, Square, it, like accountants in suits, will be like, "Yeah, I want to try
1: it." Wh- wh- yeah, why c- do you think it? Why Why is it so um, uh, sought after as a as a hardcore drug? Like, why is it? Why is th- Why is it viewed true? that way? Yeah. Why did Why did the U.S. government or not U.S. government? Like, why did the governments cir- circle around that aspect? Is this I mean, the U.S. Sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, the question makes good sense. Yeah, so I think the U.S. story with Timothy Leary and that whole yeah, um, story is super interesting. So, basically, they were making a lot of headway, um, and then, uh, Timothy Leary was joking about putting it in the water and whatnot, which would be a great, great, great idea, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, I agree. And but but basically, people people just got scared and that that started to think he was just a little bit, bit crazy. Um, and they got they. I think they just genuinely got scared because mm-hmm. it is just fear fear of the unknown. You know, I can tell you like when you take people to go for a skydive, it's super interesting. because Psych- it's, it's it's all we're talking about is psychologically. Like we're talking about how your mind reacts to the unknown. So right, so you go up in a plane. It's cold. You know, it's noisy. In, a, in like they're these planes are super noisy. Uh, these people have no prior experience at doing this, and then we open the door. And we shuffle them towards the door, and we we put, we go out, right? And in the lead up to all of that happening, they're shitting it. Like people, are, people, are, like most people, are scared, and it's but it's like, why are they scared? And and the reason they're scared, in my in my opinion anyway, the reason they're scared is because their mind doesn't have a model to fill in the uncertainty with, mm-hmm. so they're, they're uncertain about the future, they don't know what to expect, and they can't future predict what's gonna what's gonna happen. So the 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 typical reaction to that is be be afraid because you might die. Yeah. Um, and so it's a good survival mechanism. And for but when you've done it a lot of times, you realize obviously how kind of unnecessary that is. And then when they get down on the ground and they've done it and they've experienced it, they're like, "Holy shit! I'd like to go do that again. That was epic." <laughs> you know. And and so it's it a lot of it is just um yeah that inability to deal with uncertainty. And I think the psychedelic thing is the same. Like a lot of people haven't had the experience and a lot of people are just are very rigid in their in their very dogmatic you know like they're just like man my parents would be the same like yeah um they just they're they're still in that of that old sort of uh old sort of way of thinking you know just where they're just attached to they're attached to a story that's not really based in reality it's just a it's a it's a lullaby that someone told them and it's bullshit you know
2: and i i agree with everything you said there i don't i'm not this is but but i would add to it like my like angle my theory back in the 60s 50s 60s 70s things weren't perfect there was a lot of problems back then too but it was part of an era of unprecedented economic growth and um prosperity in the west or the united states not the rest of the world at some in some cases at the expense of the rest of the world or other parts of the world but it was a really great time and it's so so much so like in the 50s and 60s like Part of like the, the allure of like Disney World and stuff was like we had to create this this fantasy of of problems because like it, things were just so easy and was so boring, in the. But it's United also States.
0: contrasting to the previous two decades, which were right. were basically right. you know quote unquote the Great Depression. So it's also the the, the other side of the coin of that.
2: that right. I guess. Well, I would say that that when you take these psychedelics, it kind of makes you see things for how they really are, maybe or you maybe maybe you have a tendency to, when people want to upend um, your normal mode of operation and people don't like that. Like if you're going through it, a, 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 yeah. a, you had this terrible, terrible couple decades prior and now things are really, really great. You don't want to rock the boat. You want not shut these people up who are saying like that there's problems that, that, our society's broken, like shut these people up. That's illegal. And nowadays you've got everybody who kind of agrees that society is broken and that the state's corrupt and everything. And so everybody's like, all right, we should take mushrooms because it's helping everybody it's open fun. their eyes to this bullshit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe that is, maybe that is the case. Like maybe that well, is, it's part of it. I would where, say. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think it's complicated, but I mean, you know, we are like most humans where we're like most humans are, un, I, I refer to most humans, like kind of like robots or uh, typically I refer to like a lot of people as like unconscious judgment machines. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's one of the things like the media apparatus really preys on. It really feeds and stokes that fire and that desire to judge. Yes. Um. And, 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 because that's a real, it's like a knee jerk reaction. It's like, if I poke you, you you know, you kind of move. And it's the same thing with judgment. It's like, people just love, you know, I mean, social media platforms prey on it as well. Um, And yeah, so I I do think that whether it's through the fifties and sixties and and all that. um, uh, Sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought. Whether whether through they... um, whether they did really just like feel the need to judge these Mm, other people that are, that are different um, because they, because of the lack of understanding or, Mm -hmm. or if it's something more nefarious, like it's also interesting to like consider like, like your consciousness, right? Like it's, it's, it's where is, where is consciousness? Like, where, yes, where, is that? Exactly. Where, where, where is that happening? Like, obviously, I mean, the way I would frame it is like, that's an internal dimension.
1: Mm-hmm. Like that
0: is a, that is a thing inside of you because all of your sense organs, you know, like whether it's sight, sound, smell, blah, 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 all your sense organs are receiving information from the world outside of you. And they take that information in. And then they, then the way you perceive the world is recreated inside of you. And it appears within consciousness that's that's how I would say it, like that's how I would sort of explain yeah. so because ev- everything is everything is like recreated by your brain, so it's it's basically receiving the information through your sense organs and then recreating um, and uh so the fact that like anyone would think that they have any ownership over what happens inside of you is kind of a weird notion like why would en- what would give anyone the impression? that they have any control over my internal dimension. <laughs> like, if you think about it, it's like, you know, and it, it, it is it is like a funny thing because it's like, where where is my internal dimension for them to control? It's like, no, it's like, I'm asking questions. Obviously, very few people are going to be able to really yeah. pin down an answer, but, and the the kind of rhetorical, but it's just interesting to think about like, you know, did a government or people within a government decide that, you know, these things are dangerous and we're we're wanting to outlaw them for your own good. You know, that's one very possible explanation. Like they're just trying to help you <laughs> um, and it's for your safety. Uh, so maybe that's the case. Or is it that they actually, you know, have they ex- experienced things and they're actually like, no, these things are super powerful and they're going to actually free people. You know, that's another possibility, I think probably less likely, but also possible. Like I just think it's it's interesting to think about like the idea that some faction of society thinks that they have any kind of right or power over someone else's internal dimension. I think that is a fucking wild idea. Like and and I think you you know if you've had some it's
2: it's an egocentric idea. it's a a narcissism. It's a narcissism where you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Most people I think are just, they'll use the, it's good for you uh, or it's for your own good as a justification probably. But at the end of the day, I think most people are just avoiding, they don't want to have any financial or mental burden. Like if you do something that causes them to have to pay more money or to have to stress for five minutes about your safety, like it's not, they don't care about your safety. They care about the stress that it puts on them that you might harm yourself or that you might say something that disrupts the good time they're having. I don't know, but
0: mm.
2: yeah, it's, 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 it's usually in my opinion, it's always uh self-centered uh, mm. action. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. agreed. agreed. It's weird. It's definitely fucked up and those people can definitely go fuck themselves. So percent. yeah.
2: Well, Andrew, this was a, this is a great conversation and uh Hope Hopefully we get to talk to you again because I've, I've got a million more questions, but we're kind of running out of time. But I, I Mike's got some, some stuff. I do there.
1: have one question. I do have one question. I realized I was just muted this whole time. So every time, <laughs> <laughs> every time I fucking spoke, um, but the question I had was, uh, what aspect do you find yourself thinking about the most when you think about Bitcoin? What, what attracts you to Bitcoin the most?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um I dare say I probably change, you know, day to day. Um, but I think fundamentally it it's such a, probably the idea, you know, if I, if I could think about it as a concept is the idea of redistributing or the, I think it's first the current system, the way the current system has sucked and concentrated power into the center of the circle. And the fact that we have a mechanism now, to redistribute that, you know, if you want to think about it, like information, whatever, however you want to, but redistribute that, whatever that is back to the edges. That to me is the most fucking powerful idea because what that can enable, it's, and it's very much like what Dan was saying, like, you know, it's not, uh, he was saying like uh, everyone being online or whatever is not good for um, nation states or whatever. And, and yeah, like that's, I guess that's true depending on, what their objectives are, but, um, this is like such a crazy, it is a radical, uh, superpower, you know, like what it enables can be over time. Like it's not going to happen tomorrow, but what it can enable is so radical. Like the, the redistribution of that power, the fact that, uh, you know, no one can take it. Well, no one can take it from you or not easily. Mm -hmm. Um, the fact that no one can stop it. Like, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, no one has the right to hop in because it is. I guess it would start with that idea of, of redistributing power back to the edges, but then it's just like a flow-on effect of, you know. And it is, I guess, it is the rabbit hole. But it's it's the fact that you ever accepted that idea to begin with. It's like why did I even ever accept that framing? You know, and it it really just takes you down a slope of of uh, of ongoing inquiry. Like, um, so I think the the power that that redistributing the power back to creative humans all around the planet in all different sort of uh, kind of um, environments and walks of life and with all different skills and enabling that bottom-up innovation is just going to be insane. You know, yeah. like I, I, I don't want to even try and future predict what it, what it can do. Cause I have no idea. Like, Oh, I think about like uh, Facebook as an example, you know, or social media just generally, I guess. But, but if we think about, the evolution of that like pre um, so Facebook like in the nineties couldn't work because mm-hmm. in the nineties, it would have been a bunch of weirdos, like 10 weirdos mm-hmm. on the internet, right. Right. you know, and what are you going to do? You're Facebook was college play.
2: kids, normal people.
0: You know? Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's, it's just it, the network effect is the thing that enabled the technology and that made it of value. Yeah. And it's the same, the same with this as the network effect builds, what it can sort of morph into and the value that it can create can totally continue to change. And uh, man, that's super exciting. I think that's super exciting. Oh
2: yeah. I mean, I think when you get like a lot, like stuck in these ruts or whatever, you're maybe not happy with the way things are. You have a tendency to like just stick with it. If you don't see some sort of path to a different way of doing things, but once you understand Bitcoin, I want you are introduced to it. That's that way, that other way to do things differently, to do things ostensibly more justly. And once mm. you see it, you can't unsee it.
0: That is definitely true. I mean, if I could say one other thing, like in terms of, you know, the ideas that, that sort of stick, a sticky for me, it sort of flows on from, from that first point, but it is the societal change, mm-hmm. you know, it is like, and guys like uh, burning probably guys like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But guys like, I mean, I think John Vallis comes to my mind. Like mm-hmm. dudes like him have talked a lot about sort of this sort of side of things more. Yes. And, and so if you think about the redistribution of power, as I mentioned, but it's then how that changes your mind. Like how that changes the way you perceive the world and how you orient yourself in the world. And then if you think about that, at scale, like for 8 billion people, like who the fuck knows what that's going to do. But it's like, that is like, I love the idea, and I guess it becomes you know it's uh, probably in some ways I try to like not get stuck being too ide- like ideological or dogmatic or whatever, but mm-hmm. that idea, like I love that idea. I love the idea of people actually having a mechanism, and it's fucking crazy that what we're talking about is just software code being that mechanism, right. and that's a whole whole nother thing, but that we've got a mechanism to to be a catalyst for people to actually start to ask better questions you know, ask better questions. It's really what it comes down to. It's just people to start to inquire a little bit more deeply and people start to ask a little bit more, you know, or ask another question. And it's like, it's kind of like what little kids do. Like little kids, man, are so fucking good. You know, like, they're just like, why, 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 why? And after like one or two whys, most parents are like, they should just say, cause well, fuck, I don't actually know. That would be the right answer, but they don't say that. They, they just make up some bullshit. And they just, they just, they just talk shit. They just, most parents, they just talk rubbish. And they just, instead of having the humility to actually be like, I have no fucking clue. How does money, like, what's money? I don't know. How does it work? I don't know. Like, instead of saying the magic three words, I don't know, like most people just make stuff up. And so I think having this catalyst now to, yeah, to trigger like a a greater level of inquiry at scale uh, is, is profound. I think it's, yeah, I think it's profound.
2: Oh, yeah, man well thank you so much for coming on here use this uh opportunity here to plug your newsletter or anything else where people can find you if they want to talk to you or read your stuff
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh you, can, you yeah I mean you can you can check out the letter at com. um or follow me on Twitter um yeah whatever um I pretty super nice to chat to you guys uh most of all really really nice to meet you guys and uh, appreciate the chat yeah absolutely yeah
1: yeah, dude, that was a lot of fun. Very fun. Cool. Hell yeah. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us at, at High Hash Rate on Twitter. Or you can hit up uh, Dan at Heartland Bitcoin on Twitter. And myself, Mike, I am at Rundance BTC.